0: Everybody to wrestling with the truth. My name is BC Hunter, sitting alongside my good buddy Nightmare
1: Jay Myers here in the blanket booth today. Nightmare, how you doing? I'm doing uh, fantastic, Nightmare Nation. Hopefully, uh, you're wide awake and ready to talk some uh, some maple leaf uh, history here.
0: <laughs> well, the House of Hunter is excited today because we got a special guest join us in the blanket booth. A gentleman that I've uh, been able to speak with a few times over DM on Twitter and just been raving about his show because I, I am a big fan of the history of professional wrestling. And, of course, this is a show that truly is exploring it. And when I mean exploring, I'm talking going deep with uh, with each episode. We're talking three-hour, four-hour episodes on one topic. So there's definitely some uh, work put in. So we want to welcome today to the Blanket Booth the taxman himself from Grappling with Canada. Andy, how are you doing?
2: I'm uh, doing very well. It's very uh warm and comforting being in the blanket booth today with you guys.
0: <laughs> it is. It's, it's it's a warm blanket wrapped around. You.
1: <laughs> That's what we go for. We we go for warm and welcoming.
2: <laughs> well, especially now we were talking off air a little bit about uh our snow that we've snowfall that we've had here in Winnipeg lately. And uh so yeah, it's nice to be uh coming from the outside, the frigid Winnipeg winter. And coming into the uh, blanket booth to talk some professional wrestling with you guys.
1: Yeah. <laughs> until, until I until I get that steel chair to the back. That's. Uh, that's what I'll set you up, right? <laughs> oh, it doesn't know. You're the one that's turning heel. So I think
0: I'm gonna have to keep my eyes in the back of my head here. I don't know. Old Jay is starting to show some heel tendencies lately. <laughs> that's what I'm going for. Well, we do appreciate you taking your time. It is a Sunday. We're recording. This will drop on Monday. And, um, you know, as we know, it's a day of rest normally on Sunday. But uh, from what you told us earlier, we got you some grocery shopping duty. So I guess it came in handy.
2: Yeah, in my household, there is uh, no day of rest. It's only a day of less madness. So, (laughs) (laughs) But yes, thank you very much for getting me out of grocery shopping today. I really appreciate it.
0: Well, and we thought, uh, having you on today, we had a great topic to discuss, and that is Canada's contribution to the pro wrestling world, which it, um, people may not realize it, but it's a pretty major contribution that we've made as a country. And for anybody who's listening from not in Canada, who's trying to get an idea, we're talking to Andy today, who's out in Winnipeg. And Andy, how much distance would you say was between us, between Nova Scotia and Winnipeg right now?
2: Ah. Uh... I have to think because I've been to Nova Scotia quite a few times. Yep. I think it's it's is it's three thousand kilometers, something like that. That sounds about right. I think that sounds
1: about and right. For yeah. anybody else, with that in miles? I can't do that. That's about eighteen hundred miles, or something yeah. like that, or two thousand miles. And, and, yeah. and that's not even the end of the country. <laughs> no, no, you're middle. You're, you're middle. pretty much middle. Yeah,
2: and that's and that's not a straight line either. No. For yes, folks exactly. out there, like there, there's no such thing as a direct route here in Canada.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that Trans Canada makes yeah. some twists and turns a lot. Well, the way. I always
1: like to put it in a, in a flight. So for us to fly from Halifax to Victoria, because I've done that flight several times. It is an all-day flight, so it is a. Yes. uh Geez, what is it? I think it's like six or seven hours, maybe even eight. It's and that's and quite- I, I, yeah because you put the stop
0: yeah, once you get the gas for refueling. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Well, even yeah.
2: even from here, because I've flown out to uh, Halifax a couple of times, and that you you cannot get a direct flight. You always have to stop over in Toronto, yeah. so you're looking it's like three and two sometimes or whatever. So yeah, yeah crazy.
1: It's, it puts things in perspective when you t- take a plane the entire day, like an entire work day to get Yeah. To the- <laughs> I'll tell you, you, you were pretty
0: close there, my friend. I just looked up the, the stats, 3,509 wow. kilometers. Kudos. So good job. Kudos! Good job. So that's a 35 hour drive <laughs> if you want to do that. So. And try
1: doing that in the winter. It's about, <laughs> it's about four,
0: 40 or 50 hours. I think Chi-Chi Cruz did that a few times, doing a couple of cards down chai here in Nova chai. Scotia. Chai, chai.
1: <laughs> love Chi-Chi, man. Yeah, man. I love Chi-Chi. Wow, good, good name from the past there.
0: Well, uh, when I was looking up some wrestlers from uh, from the Manitoba area, his name came up. So, and I forgot that was it, he from
1: Manitoba? Yeah, I didn't know that he works here. A he lot. wrestled here a lot, a actually,
0: lot. back in the uh, R.A.W. days. He was, I
1: think, he was champ for a long time too.
0: Here, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's one of your brethren.
2: Well, there's been quite a few here from Winnipeg and Manitoba in general as well. So, Don't yeah, worry. we'll get uh, into
0: that. We'll get into that. There's <laughs> quite a quite a lengthy list. But before we do, we just wanted to give our audience who may or may not be listening to your show, just uh, some details on the show itself, some background on yourself, just to introduce you and uh, just chance to pump your tires a little bit. So getting into things, um, do you want to give... Our audience a description a good description of your show and what what you're trying to accomplish with it
2: sure so cole's notes version of what i do on the program is it's a monthly deep dive into one person from canada's wrestling past so what we do is not so much the imdb wrestling you know match by match what they've done in their careers but we really take a deep dive into the individual, what their contributions were to Canadian professional wrestling and obviously the international scene as well. Uh, I have various guests on, we talk stories. Uh, We have a lot of background information that you can't find just reading Wikipedia Mm -hmm. and, um, and really just give uh, an in-depth look at who the person is. Not, they had a thousand matches. They won 18 championships and, You know, anybody can do that, but we get into the stories that you're not going to hear on, you know, a wrestling website, or you're not going to just read about randomly on, on Reddit or something like that. So we're just trying to give a lot more context and a lot more backstory to these people who I feel are very influential, not just in Canada history, uh, not just international history, but more specifically as well, the international Canadian wrestling history.
0: Sure. And I mean, you've had quite a number of uh, uh, guest contributors as well on the show.
2: Yeah, it's been crazy. Um, I'm trying to think. Every episode has essentially two or three. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some have been repeat because some of them are are just, you know, wealth of knowledge. Like Pat LaPrade is incredible. He's been on a couple. Um, The person who's going to be doing the December episode he was on previously, uh, Dr. Mike Leno has done a couple of now. So there's there's a couple of repeats, but because there's so much to fit in and then it's, you know, as I've been doing this program, every month's episode, the subject matter bleeds into somebody else somewhere along the along the lines for the rest of the program. So it's you, you wouldn't think that somebody like Jack Taylor, who wrestled in the uh, 1910s to 1940s, essentially, would have anything to do with anybody else that I've done. But there's, you know, there's tendrils with Stu hart who then bleeds into the stomper who then, you know what i mean so this whole thing just kind of feeds on itself it's super interesting
0: for sure um now I, I know for me i like like i say i'm a big fan of the history uh getting the deep dive into that so if anybody is interested in that side of it learning the history and the connections and and just the stories behind the stories behind the stories. This is the way to go. And and I know I, I keep saying it and you keep denying it, but you are becoming a, a true historian <laughs> for Canadian pro wrestling. And you should take some pride in that um, because it, the the guests that you're getting on there, we're not just talking, you know, uh, Johnny from next door. I mean, Pat LaPrey, I mean, he's the guy he did Andre the Giant's biography, correct?
2: Yes, that's right.
0: Yeah, oh, and wow. and he he appeared on uh the Dino Bravo episode, which was a great episode, by yeah. the way. Just getting that whole details behind uh his outside life that people probably did not know about was just amazing.
2: What's crazy about Pat too is so like I had done the Dino Bravo episode, him and Bertrand and Bear were on it. Yeah. Um and I'm not sure if you guys watched The Dark Side of the Ring, but season two, they had the assassination of Dino Bravo. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Well, that whole episode came together because of Pat. Th- that episode doesn't get made without him. Right. So not only does he have incredible wrestling books out there, and he's a just a fountain of information. Yeah, the Andre books incredible. Uh, Midgets, Mad Dogs, and Screw Jobs is a great book as well. Like he's he's got his hands and everything, right? But it's you wouldn't think that one entire episode would would have. If, if not for him it would never have come to be so just it's it's crazy how much he is he's so useful to put it blatantly in terms of of getting programs like this out there
1: andy do you think that helped in your opinion was that a representative episode because we've had some conversations where we're not always on board with the dark side of the ring show and how it sort of whatever narrative they're trying to position, right? We're not quite sure where it's trying to be, but ultimately it doesn't always look positive for the business. But did you think that episode was a a good retelling of his story or did it paint a little bit of a sketchy story in some cases?
2: I mean, for 44 minutes or whatever that episode ran, it's probably as close to on the money as you're going to get. I did like how they had a lot of focus on his daughter. Because right. she's never really spoken out in public before. And again, that's all because of Pat LaPrade. Right. Um So I think that portion of the program is what was more fascinating. I wish they could have focused more on the family dynamic than, you know, what ultimately happened. It seemed like that whole episode was kind of building to that. Whereas I feel like that's one. Yes, it's a big part. But that's if you're talking about his family life and, and what he meant to the you know community in montreal and whatever that's how do you balance that in 44 minutes i guess right. is, Yep. and i don't i 100 I, percent. i don't know if i could have done any better than them but yeah i agree that you know dark side of the ring is um there is a certain narrative on every episode i i will say that
1: yeah yeah and and yeah well i guess we just leave it at that but it's we, we we've taken a bit of a a critical approach on some of the episodes just because it's it's ultimately what, what's the what's the end game i guess is the is the is, is the the main point is is it supposed to be good for the business or supposed to not be good for the business that's sort of well
2: i think season three has had a lot of people kind of reviewing and rethinking what what we, is we've happening turned with
1: off, that honestly from season three we've kind of turned off the show
2: yeah yeah and you're not the only ones there's been yeah. there's been lots right
0: yep Uh, Well, I'll tell you how you balance it. You do it in three hours like you did.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: I'm yeah sure, that's sure uh,
1: they, they make that happen but.
2: i i don't know if they're going to do a major motion pictures to cover any of these
1: uh, individuals say <laughs> hey, you know
2: i'm of, of doing a three-hour <laughs> live uh video like oh, jesus <laughs> <laughs> that's funny
0: now for you andy this is not your first venture into the podcasting world though you uh you had a pretty successful podcast prior to this did you not uh covering impact wrestling
2: well i uh, very successful is a very uh we'll say that's a unique perspective to have on that <laughs> program but uh no i did i did have a, an old program a few years back covering impact wrestling and it this was before there was 100 people doing the weekly review shows i think at the time it was uh there was myself there was now they are we talk impact so they're the biggest program now Uh, but they were one. And then there was one other one. And uh, so I had done that for a bit and that just kind of fell by the wayside. But this is, there's no comparison between the two. It's, it's incredible, not just in terms of quality, but in terms of everything, like production, preparation, all everything, right. It's uh, a total 180.
1: It's an interesting concept and an interesting um, sort of episode approach. So I'm I'm just curious where did this come from? Like was this always something you wanted to do? Because it's a very unique approach to a podcast, especially in art and in, in the wrestling world. Mm-hmm. But more so, it's a very time consuming, I have to assume it's very arduous. It's there's there's a lot of work. I mean, I'm guessing you have regular life to do as well. So what what prompted this? What what was the motivation?
2: So and this kind of, I guess, ties in with the old. So the, the Impact podcast that I was doing, I think that ran from 2017 to 2018. Maybe I got my years wrong, but whatever. So that program ends. I'm not doing anything for a, a couple of years, right? And in the summer of 2019, mm-hmm. I had the itch a little bit, but I didn't want to do the, the classic Weekly thing, and now you see it that there's 800 people doing the same boring. Oh, then they did. uh They did a Hurricane Roda, and then they did this, and it was a 16 star match, and what? Like, it's so arduous and just. It there's so many people doing it, right? Yeah. But I wanted to do something more in depth, so I started kind of thinking about how what I could do, and I started looking at what's out there, and I realized that nobody has actually gone back in canadian history canadian professional wrestling history and looked at who's influential why they're influential and really gone into their their careers so originally my first idea was okay well maybe i'm going to do something like i uh, focus on one territory and then move on to another territory and then uh, the more i thought about that i'm like well you're leaving out so much, even if you would spend an entire season on one territory, there are so many people that you would just not be able to cover. Right. So I thought about it and I was like, well, let's get more granular about it. Who was important from these places and why were they important and what do they do? So that's where it, I, that's where the idea kind of spawned from. And then what I did was I figured, okay, well, it's going to be long. So that's why the format is once a month because yes, I do have a life outside of the podcast. And yes, they do take an exorbitant amount of time. I think, oh, it takes me anywhere from 20 to 50 hours to produce one episode. And that's like, you know, research, getting guests, recording, editing, production. And some have been longer than that. So monthly is all I can do. So what I did is I storyboarded the entire first season. So all 12 episodes, I have a board where well, you can't see it. Cause I'm not going to show you because it also has season two. I've already storyboarded all season two, yep. but it was all 12 episodes, all 12 individuals that I was going to cover. And then, okay, now I can get into who would be a good guest on that episode. Who's, who's written, whatever, what's out there about this person. Then you get into the research part of it
0: definitely awesome. yeah and that's that's yeah. impressive man it yeah. totally is i mean that's commitment for sure um do you have a favorite episode out of the ones you've done here in season one
2: yes billy to rivers okay yeah yeah and yeah. that was because i was able to interview him
0: yes and that was that was a very interesting episode just to i mean just for the cultural influence it had uh him becoming such a star and then the fact yeah that you did get to interview this person uh was was amazing and i mean he had um he had quite the the history and quite the influence on not just wrestling itself but i think his own um his own culture i would say
2: Yes, because like for anybody who's not familiar with this story and shame on you, you should go back in the archives and listen to it. Yeah. It's a little cheap plug,
0: but do <laughs> uh, cheap plugs. <laughs>
2: <yeah>. <laughs> but it, it was it's so fascinating how like Ganawake, where he came from just outside of Montreal, shaped him as a person. But then, as he you know became an international superstar, came back, and then he kind of shaped. Konawake how they moved forward with their relations with the rest of Canada because a lot of the Mohawks in that uh, region don't they're not Canadian they don't consider themselves Canadian they're Mm -hmm. Iroquois so they have their own passport systems they have their own um, way of doing things they have their own police force I, I believe as well there so there's all these things that are so different but as as he started moving into politics, and as he became an elder, and then uh, I believe he went into federal politics as well, right? He starts bringing these these other ideas and whatever back to Kanoa. So it's super interesting, like just you know somebody who is influenced by his culture and whatever, and then in turn influences the culture moving forward.
0: For sure. We kind of often joke about the silliness of celebrity and stuff like this, but this is a perfect example where celebrity can play a good part because he he had gained a level of respect across all of Canada with his wrestling career, and then he was able to turn that into something where he went into politics, and and that made a huge difference.
2: Well, and I I can safely say that he's the only wrestler – who moved into politics? Who cut a promo on Pierre Elliott Trudeau on the floor of the House of Commons? Yeah. So, like, and nobody would know that story if we didn't tell it in the podcast, right? It's crazy. Yeah,
0: and even yeah. I, I,
2: I'm, I'm listening to this as he's, I'm like, what? <laughs> we need to, we need to go into this one, right? It's, it's incredible.
0: Yeah, I highly encourage. Well, I mean, I highly encourage anybody to to listen to all the episodes, but that is a very special one the the other thing i was going to mention too uh, that i like about it is even being somebody who does appreciate the history and and the um i don't know what the word is for it. i guess the legacy of professional wrestling there's still people that i myself find that i wasn't truly uh, up to speed in my familiarity with them and one of them was gene Kineski. and i honestly i just i think maybe at a lack of uh, hearing about it and lack of you know personal uh personal knowledge or personal will to go find these things oh not realizing what an important factor he played in professional wrestling as far as his his career and what he did and what he accomplished and being a you know a world champion not just in awa but in nwa as well i mean we truly i don't think we appreciate it we hear about Stu hart and the hart family all the time but that's Kaniski seems to be a name that kind of gets lost
2: it, it's funny because he gets lost in Canada, yeah. but in America they talk about him all the time. It's mm. it's one of those weird dynamics. And maybe for you guys, because you wrote East, he didn't spend as much time out East as he did in, especially in America, but here out West. And then there was quite a bit in Toronto and Montreal. So maybe that's where there's the disconnect as well. But yeah, here's a guy who... and people still get his story wrong to this day. And uh, so I'm on a few different um Facebook pages in relation to uh, like professional wrestling history. And I'll still come across things where somebody will have a statement like Kaniski was a transitional NWA champ, which is completely wrong. He was a champ for uh five years, I believe. So... <laughs> Which is crazy like to think transition. about it.
1: <laughs> well,
2: yeah. So it's like, well, but they don't, they don't know that all they they hear something and they or they read it on Wikipedia, so it's got to be true. <laughs> so, so I still find these, you know, th- and I'll correct the person. Hey, no, he was chat from here to here. This is why he stepped away and whatever. But yeah, I don't know what it is in Canada. It's it's almost like we're reluctant to put our ourselves and put our people over yeah unless it's hockey right mm-hmm. but like because everybody can name every record that Wayne Gretzky's ever held but how many people will tell you the length of year that you know Kaniski held the NWA title or how many people will tell you how many consecutive sellouts Whipper Billy Watson had in Toronto right there there's all these like incredible milestones that will never, ever, ever be broken, but we don't, we selectively celebrate here in Canada. It's, it's very odd.
0: Yeah. You brought up, you bring up a good point around that. Yeah.
1: I, I, we, we've touched on this in other, in other facets, but I just think we have this um, well, it's weird because on some instance we, we want to recognize, Hey, did you know that guy's Canadian or do you know this guy's Canadian or Hey, they're Canadian. You know, we do that but then we also have this, this sort of inferiority complex as well. Right. So it kind of ties into that. So I, I, it's a weird dichotomy though of like, we should be promoting that in your, to your point that in the way we are culturally, you would think we would be uh, focusing on these people who had this great success. But then if for some reason we think they didn't make it big or something in the U S maybe that, you know what I mean? And, I don't know if that plays into it or not. It's just this weird thing that we do as Canadians, I think, and I also think the media doesn't hasn't focused on professional wrestling in our history yeah, either that's nope <clears throat> like I think no the, they like, haven't the u s has had the benefit of having a little more shine right i mean they've they've had i think mainstream media shine a long time more so than than we have in this country.
2: well, the other thing too in this country is and this kind of ties into the dark side of the ring thing you really only hear about Canadian professional wrestling when it's something dark. Right.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. so yeah. A good the point. Ben the Benoit shit was wall. The story. I don't mean to swear, but no, that no, was wall that to wall. Did, yeah. But that like, that's wall to wall, every newspaper and every, every jabroni and every city is writing about it, even though they have no idea. I don't know right, if right, you the guys
1: Owen, remember, sorry, I didn't interrupt, but you guys remember no, the Owen okay. Hart thing live on TSN. Yes. Like, yeah. They did it yes. during sports center. I remember vividly. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. But and so and you can go down the, you know, when Stu Hart passed away, they talk about his death and whatever, but they really don't get into right. like why was he important? Yes, you know yeah. what I mean. It's it's yeah, that's a it's tip. very bizarre.
0: Yeah, we're very. I don't know what you call it, but shy about pumping up certain aspects of our history. And well, yet, we should be. Yeah. Yet, we'll shine this. It's like, like, they need to go on the grotesque side. It's, it's really strange. Like the, I, I hate the fact that the two most famous Canadians right now are Chris Ben, in wrestling, I should say, are Chris Benoit and Owen Hartness because of their deaths, right. you know? And yeah. It's, for the raw reasons. the
1: circumstances surrounding yeah, the deaths, really. Yeah. Yes.
0: And really. We should be celebrating people. Like you say, like, the Brett Hart's, the Stu Hart's, the Gene Kenniskys. You mentioned whipper Billy Watson. I'm sure he must be on the storyboard at some point for an episode in, in your future.
2: Yes. Yeah. I <laughs> will say that's he's that's a season two episode. I'm not gonna say when, yeah, but yeah, that that's on the and and there's another one, right, who's just like when he passed away, it was big news in Toronto. Yep. But out west it was like crickets. And and it's baffling.
1: I'm not going to, my ignorance, I don't even, I'm not even familiar, to be honest. I'm very interested in that
0: episode because, honestly, I haven't taken the time to really get into his history, but I do remember my grandmother
2: talking about Whipper Billy Watts. (laughs) Well, and he had such a long career as well. And and not just a long career as, as a journeyman, he had a long main event career. Obviously Toronto's the main base. He was uh, spent a lot of time in Quebec, but he is huge in St. Louis. Like there are there are gates that that he had of matches. Oh, who who are the big opponents in St. Louis? Oh, off the top of my head. It'll come to me in a minute. But anyways, like there there were there were record gates in St. Louis week after week after week after week like for eight weeks straight sellout and one program. Mm-hmm. and it was like that was back when one star would draw right you're going to see this match for this guy and it was whipper in st louis is crazy
1: and and that and correct me if i'm wrong you you two would know more than i but st louis is not an easy market that was a pretty big market if you, you had that was to a be huge market st louis right? yes
2: yeah huge wrestling yeah. market yeah and and they did not accept fluff wrestling Yeah. we'll yes. put it lightly so if you didn't deliver you were not they would they would not go we coming back and, no and and uh they were one of the markets where if the card had something that they didn't want to see they would not go to the show and yeah. the promoter knew like right then like uh mushnik was the promoter there right mm-hmm. if he put a card that they didn't want to see they would not go and he would okay time to get the pencil out
0: i'm um, not sure if you listen to cornet at all andy but uh, love cornet. I, I, you know what? I was just about to say. <laughs> I think you do because I heard in the last episode of this New, I heard a ha. <laughs> in, in oh the
2: yeah.
1: Oh <laughs> 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> Which I seem to be doing more frequently with my <laughs> research lately. <laughs> as soon as I heard
0: that, like he's a cornet fan, I know he is. <laughs> but.
2: Uh, But he actually
0: had an episode where he, I don't, I think it might've been on the drive through where um, he was talking about the influence of St. Louis and he was getting out the calculator to figure out um, the money that was made by some of the guys that performed in St. Louis and doing it in today's dollars. And it was crazy. the, The houses that these guys were bringing in for, for that St. Louis marketplace.
2: And what's even more wild about that. So they would have their big show in St. Louis. Uh, would it have been the keel? I think it was the checker at that the, point,
0: wasn't
2: it? Okay, so or because I think there was two keels and the checker dome. Yeah. So, anyways, regardless of the venues, so the big show on I think their night was a Monday was is it, it at the big arena. It's like fourteen thousand cello, right.
0: Yeah.
2: But then they're doing spot shows for the other six nights of the week, and each of those spot shows are doing between two to five thousand. So you figure in one week, this feud that they would have, whoever would name name two main events, main event stars, right? So you figure fourteen plus your average between let's call it three thousand, right? For the other six days of the week, what is that uh, eighteen thousand? So fourteen. So you're you're looking at like thirty thousand people every week, yep. and just paid, right? Yep. It's 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 crazy, yeah. And that's yeah, I mean, one territory. Yeah,
0: right. it, it's it's nuts. It's it's kind of like Memphis back in the day when uh, when they'd be running. Oh you know,
2: my god!
0: Yeah, just every day of the week they're running shows, and the big one on Sunday, and it just it's just every, it's the same guys, same fans, but they they had such a draw there that people would come out and see it. It's
1: almost unfathomable today to think that you could run a show every night of the week.
2: So everybody loves to talk about ratings and demos and all that garbage today yeah. for the for the minuscule amounts that it actually is in relation to everything else but you want to talk about market share and demos i think 98 percent of the households in memphis would watch that television show when it was on yep that's crazy. It, it's it's incredible like just <laughs> it's mind blowing, actually. That, that's why it's comical
0: now when yeah. you hear these numbers being bantied about, especially in a day and age where it, I mean, there's so many different means of of getting your wrestling. Like how much does that matter? Yeah.
1: You bring Sorry, I mean, we'll pivot a little bit on this, but like, how much are you watching today's wrestling, Andy? Because obviously you're a historian, but are you watching and paying attention to modern wrestling right now?
2: No, very little. Yeah. And, and uh, it's tough for me personally because. Especially now, going into the history of of and you see what it is now. Yeah, there are some things I like, but a lot of today's wrestling is not for me. And I'm not. That's not a knock. And I'm not saying don't watch it. Mm-hmm. I, I would. I would never say that. But it's just it's not for me. So a lot of it is just I'll catch a replay if it's something I wanted to see, like that Danielson Suzuki match. Right, that's my speed. I like to see that. Um, but as for a lot of it is just silly comedy spots and flippy whatever. And it's just, that's not my thing. And and if it's for anybody else, hey, good on you. And I, I appreciate that you're watching, but yeah, it's just not my thing.
1: Yeah. And we, we talk about it all the time. It's like, it's, it's the 31 ice cream flavors, right? If it's not for you, it's not for you. Yes. Yeah. My thing though, is maybe for all of us, do we see a sort of an evolution back to sort of, what we used to get, like, is this going to run, is this what we are going to get forever now? Or is this style of sort of, I don't, I know this sounds derogatory, but Indie rific style, is this, is this going to evolve again back to the, to the two big dudes just going through a 20 minute sort of psychological match, or are we just done with that?
2: What's well, I, that? I think that the, the, the Indie rific style is, is just, it's not sustainable. So eventually, cause there's so much in so many matches and it's, you, you just, you kill everything all the time. Right. I'm not saying, and here's another common misconception about like old 20 minutes of guys doing bear hugs. Right. I don't know, I'm sure. I'm not sure if I lost you guys there for a second or not. My yeah, internet's it, kind it, of being wonky, briefly, but um, you're, you're good now. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Old professional wrestling, that's not what it was, right? In terms of what today's product is pivoting to, I don't think that it's ever going to go back to the long... Like, you're never going to see a three-hour Jack Taylor match, right? That will never, ever, ever happen. But do I think it's going to go back to something that's more immersive in terms of the story, in terms of psychology? Yes, because how many Canadian destroyers can you hit in a match before it's like, I like who wants to see this anymore? Like, what is it doing?
1: Well, we were just commenting off air too, like watching the main event last night. And it was, it was a solid match. Kenny and, and Paige put on a really good show, but there was like little to no selling. And it was just like, is that just not a thing anymore? Like, are we just, so I, I agree with you, but it's like, where, where am I, if I can't buy into anything, then I'm going to probably tune out pretty soon. You know what I mean? Because, what we've been conditioned to do before in the past was, okay, there's, this is the spot and we, yeah, we're going to cheer this. And then, okay, we're building up to this. And then this is the finish. Right. And then, but none of that matters anymore. So it's like, what, how do we even watch a match anymore? I don't know. I guess for me, it's, and I'm still enjoying it, but like at some point, am I just going to lose interest because I don't know what the hell is going on anymore?
2: Yeah. See, here's the biggest thing in my opinion, that we've lost from the territory days is territories did such a great job of conditioning their audience as to the style of wrestling that you're going to see here and every territory was different. Yes. So in mid South, it was hard hitting big guys, big on story. Like they would run stories for like six months to a year. Right. And then, then do their turnover. Yes. Um, Stampede had their own style. The AWA was their own style. And what they did was condition their audience where in this market, you're going to see this style, but we're also going to bring in a couple of different guys like a Kaniski or like whoever, right. To bring that different flavor. But the substance of the show is this where now in today's age, whether it's AEW or impact or WWE, whatever, there's no, it's all the same thing, right? It's all just every match goes a hundred miles an hour. There's it's, no DQ, the Cornet famous lazy booking, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, it would take a promotion to have the balls to, to really go and educate their audience on a specific, like one specific, um, not style, but one specific set of maybe rules, I guess. Like yeah. the matches should fit into this yeah. for the most part, right? Then you have your superstars who are going to do above that, Once in a while, not every match and not everybody doing everything to everybody and it it just burns everyone out.
1: Yeah, no, it's well. It's,
0: I mean, I, I tweeted last night like, I, I that's officially the last Young Bucks match I'll ever watch. I did see that, <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, he's, <laughs> he's, I, he's I, their number one fan. And I, I,
0: mean, too, like, <laughs> 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 I mean, I've been saying this too.
2: Like, they're gonna put you in their new bio or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that well,
0: I mean, what I'm saying is, I'm not giving up on AEW because there's stuff on the show that I enjoy, but there's also stuff that I don't enjoy, and, and I'm just not gonna waste my time with it because it just. It makes me not like the rest of the show, and that's not fair to the rest yeah. of the show. I yes. love a Daniel uh, Brian, Danielson. Brian Danielson. God, I can't get that right. That, but that Miro, nah, Brian that's okay. Danielson Miro yeah, match, great. except for the ending. But yeah. but other than that, that's the match I want to see. But am I going to be so pissed off from the Young Bucks match that I don't even want to watch that? That's not that's but not it, fair to those. A guys. great
1: example of of that thinking is I don't know if you caught it, Andy, but the um, MJF and Derby match fantastic like i don't even think the pay-per-view caught up to that like that match i was kind of done after that match because it was so good. mjf is maybe apart from from roman reigns and i'll give people that he's hands down the best heel in the business right now because he doesn't care about being he doesn't want to be liked he doesn't do catchphrases to get over he does it because he's an actual asshole in the ring and that's what he wants he wants he wants that actual heat and man oh man they had a great like but they I will say this, I've not been a Derby fan to this point, but he showed me a lot too, just by going in there and having a wrestling match with him and, and MGF. And, and now there was a bit of shenanigans at the end, but I think it, it worked out to the finish. And I just, I thought that match was fantastic and that I can get behind. But like, cause there wasn't any super kicks, 18 super kicks and there wasn't any Canadian destroying. Yeah. There wasn't any of that. And, that's not to say it wasn't exciting because Derby still got to do a couple of coffin drops to the outside and, and all that stuff. Right. But it made sense. The booking of the, the psychology of the match made sense. And like so much so that I was like, wow, that was the best way to finish that match. It was so good. Well, and the, the, the point I was getting to too, with that, that whole around the young
0: bucks thing was people, I, I saw a lot of people online talking about the next match that followed, of course, was the Cody Pac and then Andrade and black yeah. match. And they were saying like how the crowd was dead and they were blaming it on Cody Cody was hardly in that match. Most of the time it was Pac in the ring. It wasn't Cody that brought that crowd down. It was the Young Bucks match that brought that crowd down because they were exhausted from the 8,042 different moves that happened that got no sold the entire time. And yeah, sure, they did some spectacular stuff. They did flips and dives and super kicks and this and that and the other thing, but there was no psychology behind the whole thing. And that doesn't just hurt themselves it doesn't hurt the guys that are in the match with them but it hurts the rest of the card it's like i yeah i I texted you it's like they might as well have just at the end of it said dear rest of the card f you and put up their middle finger and said
1: yeah yeah, good luck trying to get the crowd back and
0: that's that's not how uh, um traditionally a wrestling card is is laid out yeah and yes there is one match sometimes that steals the show like we talked about steamboat savage but that's supposed to be on the rare occasion. You don't need it
1: every single episode of Dynamite for that car- that match to steal the card. And I you think know? you, BC, had a good point too through throughout when it, the match first started. It's like, isn't this supposed to be a? It was a false count anyway, but a, for all intents and purposes, a street fight. And they were just doing their regular move set. Yeah, it was like it was like, wait, is it is it a, is it a street fight or is it just
2: a Young Bucks match with? Okay, how, how so? And there was two street fights on that card, right? Well, that, Cause yeah, it wasn't that's in... the other thing. Yeah. The, the, yeah.
0: Street fight with the inner circle and, uh,
1: and the
2: well, they, copy... they called
1: it a false count anywhere. So it wasn't technically
2: a no,
0: street fight. The street fight, but... they actually were standing on the apron, tag in. Everybody's yeah. like, this is a street <laughs> fight. Why are we tagging <laughs> in this? <laughs> oh!
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, think I will agree with you. I think that's mm. where I, I don't think promoters now look at a card anymore. They just look at per match. So they don't mm. look at a balanced card they probably just look at okay i need to get xyz over or i need to get this concept over This story over they're not thinking of a flow of a card anymore right or wrong i mean that that's probably wrong and and we would probably all agree but i don't think that's even in their brains anymore
0: yeah and and we'll and we'll go back to that match that bucks match the i'm gonna say the five hundred thousand people that watch rampage weekly that's their core audience there. Yes. They loved every yes. second of it. Every second of it. And kudos to them. Great. They enjoyed yeah. that. But I remember uh, Andre Hogan on the main event. Didn't they get like 33 million people watching that?
2: Yeah. On, yes. on a Saturday.
0: So <laughs> the other 32,500,000 that might enjoy a little bit of storyline or this or that, you're not getting them. And they're, and they're going to go running away from that in a hurry. So, yeah, you, you got the core audience locked in, but how are you going to get any other eyes? If your goal is to take over wrestling, yeah. as they keep talking about, and to put WWE out of business, then uh, pivot, yeah. which is never going out of business, of course. But, never, but, no. but as I say, like you can't have it both ways. You can't have this thing that kowtows to this core audience And then say you're going to try to put the other guys out of business. No, you got to meet in the middle if that's the case. To play
1: devil's advocate, though, to use your own points, I think that the the landscape has changed where you're never going to get 33 million people anymore from a media perspective. People have too many options media-wise now, but I get your take around getting that mainstream appeal as well. Like, you're just not going to get 33 million people watch anything in any genre anymore of
0: any entertainment, right?
1: It's just not going to happen.
0: No, but what I'm saying, I'm trying to be, you know, show the vast difference between the two, two, right? 100%. But yeah, you've got those five hundred thousand locked in, that's great. But if you want to get maybe the extra one and a half million that gets yeah. you up to SmackDown numbers, you gotta do a little bit of um meeting in the middle with it. But and again, we to
1: uh, we can't be hypocrites. If that's how they want to run their company, then that's that's how sure. they want to do it, right? Yeah. It's just we can still be critical of some of these things every now and again.
2: Yeah. Does anybody else see uh sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but is no, Am I the only one that is drawing comparisons with what they're doing right now to what Ring of Honor did? Because Ring of Honor had the mixed bag of of talent and then they went full Indie-rific and now we see the end result of that. So is is this history repeating itself because people haven't learned? And again, it's not my company, like you guys said, right? We're not running this thing, but we're watching it from afar. And for me, I'm looking at this and I see where we're at ring of honor 2008 right now and look at where ring of honor is in 2021 right it's not so
1: well yeah i hadn't i hadn't thought of that but that is a really because everybody wants to make the wcw comparison from a
2: talent perspective no i hate that comparison i don't know about you guys but it's it's wrong any if i think that people who use that comparison are people who have just they've heard bischoff tell the same story a thousand times with little differences sprinkled in they've heard Scott Hall revision history, you know, how many times they've heard, but they don't understand what actually happened with WCW. So they'll, Oh, the NWO came in and killed it is like the general, or like, Oh, the finger poke doom killed it. Yeah, no. If Time you, Warner so killed, Time Warner killed it.
1: Killed Time Warner <laughs> killed <laughs> killed it. That's yes, killed it.
2: Yeah, but man. that's not what gets talked about. Cause that's no. not the sexy subject, right? No. The sexy thing is to talk about, Kevin Nash was such a piece of shit and yeah. ruined the company and blah, blah, blah. And he wanted to kill Goldberg or what, yeah. you know, all these, but these are the things that get picked up by people who do different yeah. styles of programs. We'll say it nicely. Yeah. <laughs> one of which we talked about off air and I'm not yeah. going to bring him up because I think we're kind of on the same wavelength about what he's doing there, but it's this pervasive laziness that exists in in professional wrestling where it's okay this is the narrative now and everybody talks about this
1: yeah. yeah no that's a that's a good take i yeah you know what i thinking about it now i think you're you're bang on with the ring of honor take i think if i'm thinking back to that time we all thought they were going to blow up and be like be the the true competitor right in, in that moment because they had every opportunity to do so they t- they even took over the tna scene you know what i mean like they yeah. even surpassed them yeah, that's a really good take. I hadn't hadn't given that much thought, but I think that's that's sad, though, if that if And, if and ironically wrong. enough, and I think you're starting to see it now with the ROH stuff,
0: the only companies that are going to be put out of business by AEW is not WWE. It's, it's the, the, the ROHs, the- it's the NWAs, yeah. it's the, maybe even the yep. impacts of the world, unfortunately, uh, because right now, everybody is competing for number two. And I know yeah. AEW fans are going to hate to hear that, but it's true. And it's not because WWE is better, or their product is better it's because they have such a head start and they have such a massive worldwide dominance i mean it, it, that's kind of short sight on people they think it's just the north american market i mean yeah. i think i
2: saw oh yeah it's so wrong i saw yeah.
0: something the other day their grip in india is like 80 million fans or something like that that's just india alone yeah. they're over in china they're in saudi arabia like you cannot compete with a worldwide phenomenon. The only person that's going to kill WWE is Vince McMahon. Yeah.
1: Just like he killed the, yeah. like <laughs> kill the NWO. Just like he killed the NWO. Nightmare Nation, what's going on? It's your boy, Jay Myers. Just wanted to check in. Thanks for checking out this episode and all the episodes uh, that we put out today and all the wonderful listens and comments we get. We really appreciate it. If you want to check out and follow us on social media for the podcast, please do so. And uh, we are always looking for lots of great comments. You can get us at WWTTpod. That's at Pod for all your Twitter and Instagram needs. And you can catch myself at Myers WWTT. That's at Myers WWTT. As for me, if you want to follow on
0: Instagram or Twitter, I can be found at BC Hunter WWTT, and don't forget we also have a website for the podcast. It's www.wrestlingwiththetruthpodcast.com. We are constantly updating it, so please go and check it out, and feel free to leave some feedback. And if you want to email us, we do have an email address. It's WWTT at Finally we'd appreciate it if you could do your best Dave Meltzer First Nation, and give us a five-star review on any of the podcasting apps that you currently use. We thank you for listening and we appreciate all your support. And now back to your regularly scheduled programming.
2: All right, well, let's,
0: <laughs> let's pivot from that and get to our, our meat of our uh, uh, subject here and talk about Canada's influence on professional wrestling. So, um, I, I put together a few names myself, and uh, Jay, I'm sure has put together a few names as yeah. well. And uh, but we're going to give the special guest the the opening honor. So, g- give us a list of a few people that you feel have been really such a influence on professional wrestling as a whole that have hailed from our great white north.
2: Well, I mean, you could go through eleven on my um, on my uh, program list yes. from this past year, but uh, more specifically to that, so. I'll give you let's go five individuals who I really think left a, a huge mark um, and no particular order.
0: Yep.
2: Uh, so one would be Sue Hart. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it goes without saying, right. It essentially revitalized the entire Western part of Canada. Um, all the working relationships with Japan. He was the forbidden door before there was a forbidden door. Right. So, yeah here here's somebody who not only was a great wrestler himself uh spent his time in the navy as people would know um ran stampede wrestling but also brought a lot of international talent over got them over uh people like uh tiger mask uh is one or or justin liger or uh the bulldogs right they had their big start here harley race is another one right kind of revitalized his career so Sue Hart, for sure, is one. Uh, Whipper Billy Watson, not just what he did in Toronto, which is incredible, but the fact that he sold out buildings in the States, left, right, and center, and it's just, you. you a lot of people don't understand his international footprint, I think, a lot, or as well as they should. Uh, and I'm obviously getting ahead of myself, but that's somebody who we're going to be covering in Season 2 and specifically that aspect of it, right? Cause yep. a lot of people understand how big Maple Leaf wrestling was, but why was it so big? A large part was him. And then a large part as well was the international exposure. Um, I would have to say Edward Cardpanché is another one who without, name up. Yeah. yeah, without him, I have a hard time seeing how Montreal would have been such a, Big player for as long as it was, yeah. because he came in, and for anybody who's not familiar with the career of the Flying Frenchman, uh, he essentially started not in terms of a promotion, but started the real buzz of of Montreal. Um, Kaniski, we talked about. Uh, obviously, you know what he did in Canada was impressive, but the fact that he basically had the held the NWA on his back for five years was a massive star, especially in the Southern States. He was over as over could be. So Knisky's one. Well, who would I say for five, five might be. Hmm. Five might be Jack Tunney in Uh, Toronto because everybody talks about like Stu, obviously, but. There are a lot of uh, backstage dealings that he is a part of, which if they don't happen, I don't know. Like there's so many dominoes that fall into place in Canadian wrestling history that if he doesn't do these things, good, bad, or indifferent, but if he doesn't do them, maybe we're not in the position we are today. So maybe he's got to be on the list too.
0: Great list. Great list. Um, I I totally forgot about the Tunnies and uh, what an influence they had. but that's a... That's a great point. I, I myself, I knew you were going to hit on the history side of it. I figured I'd go kind of in the middle of it, so I'd leave the modern guys for you because <laughs> yeah. I figured you. Were going to <laughs> go on I'm going to be
1: the inferior list. No, 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 no. Well,
2: easy now, easy now. There's no, no such thing. It,
1: it's,
0: there's the modern influence. Yeah. It's just insane right now yeah. because because I got a point around that as yeah. well.
2: And uh, it's it's nowadays it's really relevant. I, I hope we get in, it, deep yeah. into that. So.
0: For me number 1 on my list had to be Pat Patterson. Uh, yes, just the influence he had on wrestling in general as far as um his career, uh tag team wrestling, what he did with uh with um, Stevens, you know, uh, just uh, as as a tag team wrestler. And then obviously obviously there's the other side of his personal life that was a major um contribution to wrestling to be the the first, uh, you know, um homosexual wrestler of prominence that we were aware of, I guess is what you would say. Yeah.
2: Who is an actual superstar.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure there was many that, that did, but this is the one that I think really that we heard about where it was in a respected position and, and held a, a major position with a major company where mm-hmm. you're like, okay, well, wow, that, that's, that's a massive uh, deal. Uh, and then of course, what he's done for wrestling, as far as being one of the greatest Finnish men that is, has ever come yes. along as far as anything. The influence he had over Vince McMahon, really, he was the one that kind of toned Vince down on a lot of things and then creating the Royal Rumble. I mean, so it's just yeah. just so much influence he had on it. Um, I picked, uh, obviously, Brett, Bret Hart. I mean, just because he's influenced so many wrestlers over the years with his style. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's honestly, he's looked upon as a Canadian hero for most of us Canadians. And I mean, I knew you were going to go with Stu. So I went with Brett on that one, (laughs) but uh, you know, you see his influence to this day. And I mean, I think as years and more years go by, you just see Brett validated much more each day with some of the things and views that he had. And some of the incidents that have occurred Uh, ironically, right around the time of survivor series. Yes. I included uh, as an overall stampede wrestling, uh just, just period like Stampede. I mean, I remember watching that as a kid and just seeing a whole different style that I was not used to compared to what the WWF was putting on or what yes. around here we would have watched Atlantic Grand Prix Wrestling. And just the different people that they brought in. You brought them up, like the the Jushin Ligers, the, the Viet Cong Express, you know, the Gama Sings, yep. all these people. And then to see Mike Shaw in there, uh, you know, and then I that's where I first got introduced to Brian Pillman. Where I got introduced to Chris Benoit, to you know, to the Hart family, like, like Owen Hart. That's the first time I saw Owen Hart was in Stampede, and I mean, it was just mind blowing to watch the style that that was going on. It was hard hitting. There was angles. There was all that, you know. So I give Stampede a lot of credit for what they did. Plus, they were like a funnel system for the WWF in the uh, mid '80s. Big part of it. Um, and then I mentioned, I know everybody hates to to hear this name, but you gotta bring it up, Benoit. You got to bring up Benoit. I think Benoit, as putting everything that went on, the personal life aside, he's influenced more of today's wrestlers with his style of wrestling. There's this buzzsaw, hard-hitting, I don't really need to be a promo. I just go out there and wrestle the hell out of everything. Yeah. Um Unfortunately, I just wish people would pay attention to his thing was more the hard-hitting wrestling, not the flippy doodah stuff. <laughs> you know, but uh, Yes. So he got away with the maybe the lack of promo stuff versus some others, but uh, because he told his story in the ring, no matter what you say, I always try to separate Benoit's personal life to what I saw before everything happened. And, I mean, he was one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So uh, he was a major influence on the Canadian side. And then, of course, also a major influence on the wrestling industry as a whole after what happened. And then I'll throw in a local connection, and you might appreciate this one, Andy, is... Um, Leo Burke, uh, yes. sorry, you're familiar with Leo from, uh, the stampede days. Um, but you know, Atlantic Grand Prix wrestling part of the, the famous Cormier family. And, um, people might not know this, but he was a major influence on a lot of the Canadian stars that showed up in the WWF trained a lot of them and, uh, was doing a lot of training for the Hart family out West. And plus he had some major feuds with, uh, with Bret Hart in the stampede days. So, um, you know, we again we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we're self sabotaging in, in celebrating our our heroes. When we think, oh, it's just a local New Brunswick guy. He's not uh, not that
2: big deal. He no, a no, deal. he was not just the local New Brunswick guy. He was, yeah. and the Cormier family is yes, uh, topic of conversation. I think yes, with the yes. with the two fine gentlemen in the uh, blanket booth. We're gonna have to transfer this one over. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Cormier family alone with
0: the Beast and Leo Burke and the K's. I mean, geez, I mean, just the contribution they've done to wrestling is just
1: amazing. So, yeah. And uh, no spoiler alerts here. I think everybody knew that I was going a little more modern. But I will say this, not to piggyback on just for ease of sake, but I look at Stu from a different standpoint because I, even though I'm more of the modern guy, remember the sort of this kind of this age. Even for me in the early 90s, Stu was a big part of what I saw from being on screen with um, the bread angles and, and Owen angles and all that stuff, but also knowing how many people went through Stu and to yes. this day, the dungeon is still mentioned. So yeah. mm-hmm. to me, Stu's presence, and I'll lump Stu and Stampede together, but it's more like Stu and the dungeon. That to me is, that has, that has been generational, right? I mean, that's still yes. talked about on tv now right i mean so so Stu would be one for sure um i have to go with chris jericho only because the guy has had a a three decade how many decade career he's recreated himself so many different times he's done japan he's he's conquered wcw he conquered wwe he's he's got a podcast he's i love his rock he's got a rock band and i'm that's i'm into that so it's like that guy to me, crossover. He's crossover. Yeah. He's cultural impacts. He's got all of that stuff, right? So, um, Chris Jericho for for sure is one um, for me for for the wrestling, but also for the impact he's had on me personally uh, from an entertainment perspective. Um, then I sort of go a little different, and nobody may agree with this one, but I think Scott Demore needs to be put in this picture as well. Not only has is he currently involved in impact and having a, a major involvement in impact but he brought up a lot of guys too that nobody really wants like he brought in the Eric Youngs and Team Canada's and all that stuff as I'm sure Andy you're very familiar with but he ran he runs a very big extensive local network there I'm not sure if he's still actively involved with the border city stuff but like correct me if I'm wrong they've they've amalgamated and put a bunch into one sort of big network of independent wrestling there in uh, Ontario and and sort of the GTA so I think Scott Demore needs to be mentioned I think because modern wrestling now he's very involved he was uh, obviously worked with Tony Khan and AEW and all that stuff as well. So mm-hmm. um, I think Scott DeMore needs a mention. Maybe somebody that doesn't get enough credit for being actively involved in the scene today. I kind of lump... This, This to me, resonates because of how much impact they had in tag team wrestling. But I think you have to put Edge and Christian mm-hmm. in the conversation as a, co- yeah. as a package deal. Yep. Because, yes, they had... Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy and they had the Dudley boys, but they single handed well (laughs) as a group, they changed tag team wrestling really as we know it, maybe, maybe not for the good or people can argue that, but they've, they created a whole different style of gimmick match and sort of tag team innovation sort of that we never saw before. I don't think anyway, that, that kind of still plays in today. How many ladder matches do we have now? How many multi-man tag matches do we have? So, I think they need to have the credit for that as well. And arguably, maybe their indivi- their singles runs, I think Edge, you could say, has been pretty inf- influential. But I think if you, ta- if you tag them up, that's been a really big impact on the scene. Um, and like, there's so many different other ways you could go with this. But for me, I think as much as I'm not a giant mark for Bret Hart, I think he has to be up there. I mean, I know we've already talked about Bret, but even for a guy who wasn't his biggest fan, he's been involved in so many of the key angles in my growing up in, in the WWF standpoint. And even, even from the screw job to still being on TV now and sort of like having his documentaries out now, it's like all he's still such when people outside of Canada think Canadian wrestling, I think they still think Bret Hart, right? I think that's still yeah. <laughs> so that to me, you have, you can't not mention him. And, so I, I've kind of got a little bit of a different take, but I think that would be sort of my my list and in, uh, of influences. Obviously, I love Owen and, and Benoit and all that stuff too. But I think those guys really, when you talk about pro wrestling in the conversation, they they come up. I think for me,
2: yeah, I have to agree. Um, and great list for both of you for various reasons, right? For as modern as as you've gone there, it's not there's there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, and yeah. you you could even go more modern than that, right? If you're going to talk about, uh, you know, we'll look at impact, for example. So someone like Rosemary, what an influence she's had yeah. on on not just women's wrestling, but you know how to develop a character, right? And all these kinds of things. If she if she wasn't so successful, then maybe you don't see Sue Young doing her thing, and then maybe you don't see Abaddon, who yeah. rightly or wrongly is a a featured person in AEW right so yeah there's there's so much it's crazy
0: yeah and i think we'd be remiss if we didn't add one more person to that list from cuz it was male dominated but trish Stratus. oh yeah I
1: yeah. Well. yeah
0: yeah uh, and, and gail kim for that matter i mean just but trish just for the overall uh yeah the
2: big picture
0: yeah yeah i yeah. think
1: gail has more influence from an in-ring perspective yeah. in sort of that sense and but yeah i think Trish had this this entertainment change too, yeah. for sure. And and uh maybe we don't even get the women's revolution or whatever without the Trish Lita matches. I think that's probably safe to say, right? And Trish came in there being
0: well known prior to that with her modeling career. And she was
1: pretty green too. So kudos mm-hmm. to her for for yeah. Oh
0: yeah, past, she was. Yep. Right? Say what you will, but she had such an influence on so many female wrestlers of today, whether yeah. it's good or bad or whatever. But uh she she honed her craft, she became respected for for her run and and then you know a lot of female wrestlers i think got into it because they saw what she did so yeah. i gotta give her props no, that's, for that it's a great point and she gets forgotten about it, i think a lot of times when we get into this but it's just because we have such a dearth of uh of such great wrestlers that have come from here right
2: And some of the, some of that sorry i just wanted to touch on one thing with the trish uh i think it's not that she's forgotten, but and this plays into a little bit of the WWE revisionist history, right? When people talk about Trish, they'll often bring up the dog collar thing with Vince, where yeah. like right, and completely overlooked that she was completely green, uh, trained with Ron Hutchinson, who she put in the work. He got her where, and her matches, yes, with Lita was spectacular. There were a few matches. I think she had some good ones with uh, with Jacqueline as well. Who? There's another great female wrestler, but and Victoria, yeah, as just well. and Victoria, yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, definitely not not somebody who gets recognized for her actual wrestling. As yeah. you know, unfortunately, just being involved in a lot of the brawn panties, yeah. whatever that game. that that era came to be known for. Yeah,
0: which if you listen to any interview with her, she readily admits that she would, it wasn't she wasn't forced into that. She agreed to do that because she yes. wanted to find a way to get herself on screen, and then she knew that would lead to other opportunities. So and and, I, and again yeah.
1: to your point around revisionist, like let's yeah. not let's not kid ourselves here. That was what it was at the time, right? I mean, we didn't yes. have the in ring performers in mm-hmm. that sense. We only had the valets and those sort of skits. So it's not like I don't know. I just I take I take umbrance umbrance yeah with like people trying to go back and put today's standards in in, in those times right that wasn't no, you the standards not wasn't, you can't do that that's the world nowadays yeah. so, you, <laughs> so you she was doing exactly what she knew and the product was doing exactly what the product knew at the in the moment right yep
0: so i i wanted to take it one more other direction before we let you go here andy because i think there's an interesting debate. We might even be able to put this up on Twitter and, and give the give the listeners a chance to vote on this. But I think you can narrow it down to four, let's say either provinces or regions as far as who had the biggest influence. I'm pro- I'm sure you're probably a little bit biased, being from Manitoba. But uh, I ran through a quick. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but I ran through a quick list, and I think you can narrow it down to Manitoba, Alberta, and I'll include Saskatchewan in there because of stew. Uh, and, you know, and I'll include, um, Piper in the Manitoba side because they're both from Saskatchewan, yes, where, you grew up. Yes. where they really made their, their <clears> name, <throat> but Ontario being another and then Quebec. I mean, as much as I'd love to throw the Maritimes <laughs> in there, I just cannot, uh, for the volume, I cannot throw them in there. So going through just a quick list. So we look at, um, at Alberta, you have Archie, the stomper Gouldy, you had Gene Kaniski was uh, born and raised there. Uh, yep. the the Hart family, right? I mean Stuart Hart born in Saskatchewan, but he's thought of as a as an Alberta legend, right? Yes. Chris Benoit, Lance Storm, uh Tyson Kidd's another one. Yep. Um Natty Neidhart. I know her dad's from the States, but Natty grew up in the Hart Dungeon and then um, trained there and lived there. You could say the same about Davy Boy Jr., another one. Ginger Mahal, people forget about Ginger being from that yep. area too. So that's just just a quick one on Alberta. Then you talk about Manitoba, and you have Jericho, of course. Roddy Piper, again, born in Saskatchewan, but he's really, he's associated with Manitoba. That's where he got his fame from. Kenny Omega. Uh, Don Callis. Steve Carino. I didn't even realize was from Manitoba.
1: Right? Yeah, yep. I yep. did
0: not know that at all.
1: Yeah, I love Steve Greeno.
0: And then from the female side, you've got Rosemary and Sarah Stock as well. Yep. Sarita. I don't know if there's any that I'm missing from Manitoba that jumped to mind, like uh, the major stars. But those are pretty big cool. names right there.
2: Well, there's a couple, but I'm going to show my cards if I get real deep into that one. Yeah. But I want to hear to the rest of the list first before we. Uh, get <laughs> I want to go with
0: I want to go with ones that I, I know people recognize right off the get go. Like I say, it's not sure. exhaustive. Yep. Uh, Ontario, you got to well, you got Edge and Christian, of course. Right. I mentioned Scott Demore. Tracy Brooks is another one I don't think gets credit for I impact do, yeah. I know that she was Canadian. Yep. Uh, Trish Stratus, Gail Kim. Uh, Michael Elgin, another one. I know. <laughs>
2: He's got some issues, yeah. He's got <laughs> some
0: issues, but he, he had a bit of prominence for a while. Killer Kowalski, born in Ontario. Yep. Whipper Billy Watson, as you mentioned a few times. Santino Marella, another good one. <laughs> Bobby Roode, our boy yeah, Bobby Roode. Love Bobby. Sean Spears, Ethan Page. Test, Vampiro, Val Venus, P.D. Williams, Eric yeah. Young. I good, love love Eric Young. Pretty good list. Allie, better known as the Bunny. And then you also have Angelina Love and a special shout out to Iron Mike Sharp. Yes. Canada's <laughs> greatest athlete.
2: And uh, and a record holder for longest post-match shower, I think, as well. <laughs> exactly <laughs>
0: Most deodorant used by one man. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I'm going to give... Um lean some favor towards Alberta Manitoba because obviously Ontario has a bigger pool to pick from as well. It's like right. comparing Canada to the US overall for the amount of wrestlers that we've produced it's, versus it's pretty per impressive. capita. It's pretty impressive. Yes. Yeah. And then finally in Quebec, let's not leave them out of the equation. You had Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, Pat Patterson, PCO, yeah. Edouard Carpentier, uh, the Vachon family. Yeah. Uh, the Rougeau family. Dino Bravo. Rick Martel. Everybody forgets well, they sleep on Rick, Rick. Martel. Uh, Ronnie Garvin. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, if you want to go with uh, modern wrestling. Ivan Koloff. Let's not forget about what? Ivan Koloff being yes. born in Montreal. Yep. Wow. Uh, Joe Ledoux. And uh, if you're a Memphis fan, you'll appreciate Joe Ledoux. Yeah. Uh, and Frenchie Martin. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for the Maritimes, we had a few. Um, Leo Burke, The Beast, Rudy and Bobby Kay, uh, Emile Dupree, just for uh, the running of uh, of wrestling around here. Rene Dupree is his, his mm. son. Uh, yeah. I included Marcus Burke because I'm a homer. <laughs> <laughs> Tyson Dukes is another one from the New Brunswick. Um, here's one that I did not realize. Maurice. Everybody she, thinks yes. Maurice New Brunswick? She grew up in Edmonston. No way. Yeah, well, was born in Montreal but grew good, up in Uh Kurgan. Is another guy that's from New Brunswick. He had a
1: really good name in Hollywood, though. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Here's one that I did not. This is just in my research. This is new to me. And he's considered by a lot of people, historians, as one of the biggest influences in wrestling. The spoiler, Don Jardine was born in Moncton, New Brunswick.
2: That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, and then for local flavor, we had uh, Big Stephen Pedapaw and the Wild Man Gary Williams. So you know we're we're happy with that. And then in Nova Scotia, we have Rocky Johnson was another one. I mean that's a pretty big yep. name. He had a pretty successful son that visited here once. <laughs> um, Brody Steele, Lincoln Steen, yeah. Madison Miles from uh, from the female perspective, and Pete. Yai, we had Cowboy Mike Hughes is another guy, and Newfoundland sailor White. So I mean you combine the Maritimes, we're okay. But I think the big four you'd have to argue. Are um Quebec, Ontario, Manitoba, and Alberta. Put in your and uh oh, I'll give credit to BC. Some of the ones that came out of BC are Tyler Breeze, Chelsea Green, Kyle O'Reilly, the Singh brothers, uh yep. Dan Crawford from Stampede Days, El if you want to go modern, mm-hmm. Buddy Roberts, Buddy Jack, born in uh yep. BC, uh John Tenta, better known as Earthquake, and Ty of Alkyrie, of course.
1: Yeah, I think I was gonna say Frankie Monet's
0: from yep. Victoria too, I think. yeah yep. So putting on your hat, who are you voting for, for biggest influence from a province?
2: Oh, boy. Um, In all honesty, and this may surprise some people, but I would have to go with Quebec. And the reason for that is, in terms of going through the eras of professional wrestling, there was far less up and down in Quebec as opposed to, uh, Alberta was very start and stop from the 50s, 60s. There was eras, they were hot and they were not. You're right. Uh, same thing here in Manitoba was very prominent from the 1910s to the 40s, early 50s. And there was quite a long, not dark period, but it wasn't as big until the end of uh, AWA came through, yeah. uh, which I believe started in 1960. Uh, So you, you have that long uh, time without right Uh, in Ontario, right. Super hot from the thirties to the sixties was still up there into the eighties with the takeover, of the WWF. And then once that happened, it kind of almost not ended what they were doing, but it it wasn't, it wasn't Ontario then, then it was WWF unfortunately. Right. That's, that's the, public perception but i think quebec in terms of people that they've produced who have meant so much to the fabric of canadian professional wrestling yeah the the vishon family is what more can you say they, they have what like four generations yeah and men and women like people yeah. sleep on vivian vishon right and mm-hmm. they shouldn't you know obviously luna was born in america but was adopted into the vishon family uh so in in terms of general story and what they meant to international wrestling, like they're massive, uh, Dino Bravo, unfortunately for the wrong reasons is well-known, uh, Carponche, we spent, you know, a bunch of time talking about him, Pat Patterson. Um, what more can you say? Right. Although maybe we'll have something on him coming up, but, uh, yeah, yeah he's just, you want to talk about an everlasting influence, Pat Patterson, right? So yeah, and will always
1: I, be the connected to the Intercontinental Championship, yes, always. Yeah, yes, no, yeah. first winner,
2: yeah. In that tournament, Rio, de Janeiro. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't spit it out there. Yeah. So I, yeah, for me, in terms of of like like lasting legacy, and and the continued evolution of professional wrestling, because yeah, you mentioned like Kevin Owens, right? Yep, Mega star. right? And and he's he's modern. Uh, PCO, he's the guy who you want to talk about Jericho reinventing himself, look at what he's done, right? So so yeah, I would have to say Quebec and uh, again, as I'm kind of progressing through the grappling with Canada program because out here in, in Winnipeg, we don't, yes, we have a very large French speaking population and we have a big connection with Quebec but for the English speaking people here, myself included we don't know Right, so now that I'm going through the the history and and just realizing it, it's like, yeah, I, that's as much as that the Homer in me wants to say manitoba the the reality is for me it's it's based on everything I've been researching I think it's Quebec,
1: well, I don't I, think
0: I saw that coming, yeah, know? I didn't see that coming, but honestly, I. I think with Manitoba, what we have is the influence of current situations with the guys like yes. Omega and Jericho and Callis, Callis being too. so prominent at the moment. But when you when you take the overall picture, I agree with your thought process as far as Manitoba. Not that they haven't been a major factor, but up until, say, the year 97, you would have just thought a Piper, you know, really. Oh, and, and one yep. other, your good buddy, the wrestling machine. <laughs> <laughs> he's a winnipeg native yeah. too so yeah. i mean
2: uh were we supposed we to k-fade that i don't know if we were supposed to k-fade that or
0: not uh, no no he's, he's, he'll admit that he's, from he's the okay United with States. it now okay yeah, good yeah. <laughs> there's, there's
1: more, more to come more to come for that. <laughs> yeah no you're good buddies with him
0: oh yeah <laughs> um but yeah okay so jay yourself uh is there any i know you haven't had time to, to, to think about no you know.
1: i this is honestly this has been uh in, in a way really enlightening for me as well to kind of see um, a, a fuller picture because i mean obviously i get in my own little sort of echo chamber of of thoughts around the modern stuff but uh no, it was fantastic i i love that take on the quebec thing i don't think i would have thought of that mm-hmm. um but even if you just went with Pat Patterson, yeah. who has been Vince's right hand man for how many, or was Vince's right hand man yeah. for how many years? I mean, yep. like that in and of itself could be the biggest influence we've ever had. So I thought yeah. that's a, a really good take. And uh, no, this has been been highly educational for me. Uh, it's just so cool. And and I, honestly, you guys brought up a couple of people I didn't even know were like Jack Tunney. I had no idea that he was actually from Toronto. Or oh yeah, um, or yeah. even some Look. of the other names that like I was like this is. Been educational for me for sure, so uh, appreciate that the, the wealth of knowledge. So, pick for a province, did you have one? I mean, uh, for me, listing the names, I would just go from a favorites perspective, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think Which I, there's I,
2: nothing I, wrong with that either.
1: Yeah, I, I think some of the guys that have come out of um, Ontario for me probably have to be sort of. I, I'm like, I love Jericho, and I do, um, I'm fond of some of those Alberta guys, but. There's just too many guys that I love like I'm a big edge guy. I, I love edge. Um I there's Edge and Christian and sort of like too many attitude era guys there for me like Val Venus and Edge and Christian and sort of like so I'd probably say Ontario for me just but again it's an easy choice because of the demographics, right? So The depth of yeah it. Yeah, yeah. But I think Ron Hutchison probably is a guy who should get mentioned yeah. more too. Like yeah, for we sure. don't we we didn't mention him in the the most influential guys, but how many guys does that guy pump through, right? Yeah.
0: I agree. I'm right with you. I, I like your take on on Quebec as well. And, and I was about to say the exact same thing. Just for Pat Patterson alone, yeah. you could put them over the top and then to have a former world champion in Rick Martel, to have the Vachons, yeah. to have you know Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn who are just absolutely lighting it up in modern yeah. wrestling. And, yes. and you know, the Rougeos who don't get enough credit as well. I mean, I know people have their feelings about Jacques and stuff like that, but let's face it, the Rougeos... They were hanging with the big dogs in the WWF in in the eighties. Their dad, you know, a famous wrestler in Quebec, and just the Quebec wrestling scene in general has mm. always been strong, and they have passionate fans there. So,
1: yeah, I, I I definitely could put them up there. Could could we say that Rick Martel's maybe the most underrated wrestler that came out of Canada, really? Mm. Or in general, like, like I that would made, have a that made top, a name of that. for himself anyway. Like, no. I'm mean, He got his Shine. He got his shine in WWF, you know. It didn't and, I don't know. I guess I didn't. Maybe yeah. I
2: again just Like that's through... the, Okay, so we, in order to talk about that we would have to if you're going uh modern era, which for me modern era would be from the 80s till now. now. Yeah. yeah. Then yes. Yeah, I, I guess like, so that's my perspective. For, brain space. for yeah. yes, yes. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, then it's yeah. him. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh previous to that? No but okay. yes for, for sure in terms of the um how wrestling is presented now with the, with um the, what well, at the time was the big two companies right yep. yeah it it was him for sure
1: and that's where my head always yeah. goes from the 80s to now so yeah that yeah. just it just he just never seemed to get that that ultimate push or he never seemed to get the mm-hmm. the shine that he really deserved cuz that yeah. guy was phenomenal man yeah. just character wise and in yeah. the ring and strike force was one of my favorites for sure so kanam mm-hmm. express yeah.
0: you know it's funny now, probably what was going to put Alberta over the top for me, uh, and I don't know if it's Homerism or not, but I just I had such a fondness for, for the group that came from there, but also the, the fact of Stampede's influence, which I mentioned yeah. earlier, that was going to put it on top, but then with you bringing up the Tunney family and, of course, Maple Leaf Wrestling, and not just yes. from a WWF perspective, but be, prior to WWF, it was an MWA-influenced um, yep. program, I don't know. I, I, maybe I do have to kind of lean towards Ontario for the the amount of people that they pumped out, the influence of the Tunney family, the influence of the uh, of Maple Leaf Wrestling overall, and of course the influence of. Ontario as far as big event crowds and stuff right. i mean you had Sky the Nova. big event back in 86 which was in exhibition stadium getting seventy thousand people you had wrestlemania we've, 6 we've got 18. some of the
1: some most some of the most memorable wrestlemania moments took place in toronto yes right. you, in could, in toronto. you could yeah.
0: argue that the crowd in toronto is the whole reason that hulk hogan had his final face right. run in in um in Mo- wwf, WWF. yeah so i mean yeah it, it's I think you got a very close one, two, and three with with yeah. uh, Ontario, Alberta, and and Quebec. To be I think quite what's honest. what's clear yeah. to
1: me and what it highlights is I wrongly has have been siloed into some thinking in, in our history, but like this has really really opened my eyes to how much of a breadth of history we have in this yeah. in this professional wrestling space, right? So that's that's been awesome to me. I think it's it's pretty. It's pretty fantastic given our small population, right? I think yep. that's, that's pretty evident as well. One-tenth the population
0: yeah. of the United States, but I, I'd, throw our, I'd throw our all-star team up against any of theirs any yeah. day.
2: Oh, any day of the week. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. Well, uh, we're you know we running a bit Listen, long, I imagine, here, but we appreciate how much time you've taken out of your day. I really the,
1: think we could have done a three-hour oh, episode. Oh, yeah. I can do a 10-hour episode. Which I'm,
0: I'm
2: used to at this point. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But uh, we want to give you this chance now. I want you to promote all your social media and uh, promote the, once again, the podcast, let people know where we can find you and and just get the word out there.
2: Sure. So you can uh, on Twitter, it's at six underscore podcast. You can send your hate tweets there. I read everything and I appreciate everything you send. I can be reached via email at any time. Six side pod at gmail.com. In terms of grappling with Canada, it's available on all major podcasting platforms, uh, whether that's Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iTunes, Good Pods, wherever you buy, trade, sell, barter your favorite podcast, you will find us. Uh, if you, as you guys know, if you leave me a five-star review, I do read it on the next available program, yep. which I appreciate you guys for. Because, yeah, for as much as. <laughs> You put me over as a great wrestling historian, which I'm still, I don't consider myself yet. Maybe I will be. My library has got to get bigger, I think, before that happens. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you guys have been so good to me in terms of that. And, and obviously, I, I read those uh, live on the next available program. Uh, in terms of where we're going, season one will wrap up next month in December. So, I will give you guys and your wonderful fans a heads up that our December topic, we're we're going to be covering Pat Patterson. Uh Oh, Oh, look at that. And and so, we're we're celebrating the one year of his passing away. Um, Bertrand and Bear is going to be on that episode. And uh, this is going to be, as with all of my episodes, it's not he wrestled here and he had this match here and he did blah, blah, blah. No, we're going through his his life and and his lasting legacy and what he actually meant not just to professional wrestling but what he meant to Quebec yes and this is gonna in terms of our discussion that we just had of of influential provinces I think this is going to further that conversation as well so so what
1: so what I'm hearing is 75% of your episode is going to be on Legends House that's what I'm hearing. <laughs>
2: Well, I can't uh, tell you everything on the episode.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, as long as you get one statement of banana on there, that, that's
2: all. Awesome. Oh, you go banana! Oh, the banana! <laughs> yeah. Oh man,
0: that's gonna that's be awesome. a that's gonna be a fantastic be a episode. One. I can't wait!
2: Can't wait! And then obviously that that'll be the wrap up of season one, which has been very successful, and season two again. Season two actually will only have eleven subjects because one is going to be our first two-parter because there was so much to get into. I'm not going to say who that was, but uh, I think that there's going to be an episode involving some individuals from a blanket booth joining me. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about this one off air as well. So looking forward to all of that.
0: Nah, no, well, challenge acceptors. Yes. <laughs> good tease. All right, cool. Well, uh, you know, I know that two part is going to be Iron Mark Sharp. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, part one about the shower, and then part two about his actual wrestling career. I, I, it's I, gonna I be, thinking, it's gonna be me in the shower for three hours with the water running, eh?
1: <laughs> I was thinking it was on uh, Mike Shaw's Bash and Booger Run, but
0: uh, oh, yeah. oh God. <laughs> Mike Shaw is definitely an episode <laughs> worth doing for sure. But <laughs> yeah. This all right been,
1: this has been awesome thank you yes. thanks buddy for uh for joining mm-hmm. us because this has been uh, highly entertaining for me and educational as well so
2: oh absolutely my pleasure and thank you guys for having me on i love your program like i i've i've kind of alliterated uh throughout the program i'm not a fan of modern professional wrestling but i am a fan of your guys's takes on it so i appreciate you guys keeping me in the loop
0: well as we as you pointed out like Everybody can do a let's review this match and give it a star rating, but we refuse to do that. I mean, yeah, we'll talk about a pay-per-view or something like that if there's some major things happening. Mostly because but... we don't have the time to watch every single yeah, match. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we say, we want to be uh, the analyst in the inter- intermission, kind of giving you a high-level take on some things, and so that's what we're striving for. So, Jay, what do you think?
1: Uh, I think that I think that I didn't know a lot before this, <laughs> and I probably still know... One third of you guys. But uh, I think I'm a little, little smarter, as they say, in, uh, on this stuff going forward. So, Well, I think, I think you've got some uh, some episodes to I, listen I to. I do have some. McCann, or... I, that is 100% true. <laughs> I absolutely have some to, to
0: uh, catch up on. The best part is... That price of $0.00 <laughs> yes, and exactly. 0 cents. There you go. <laughs> yes. Download those episodes. The only price is, is
1: my home responsibilities uh, on the on the homestead. So. Exactly. Uh, whatever. That's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right.
0: Well, we're going to wrap up. So, straight from the blanket booth, I've been BC. He's been Jay. He's been Andy. Thank you for listening. We <laughs> are out of here.
1: I got nothing else.